Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Before we begin, I should warn you that some of you may find what you are about to hear rather disturbing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Until Dawn podcast. As always, my name is Koi, and with me is my wife, Felicia. Hello, everybody. So let's talk a little about what we've done since our last recording. Right. Since our last recording, we have done what? Three Three investigations. Yeah, three investigations. Malvern Manor, Villisca, Axe Murder House. And Beatty Mansion in St. Joseph. Yep, because that was right around all the flooding up there. Remember, we went up to Kansas City. We're going to do Beatty Mansion the next day. We wake up, and it was snowing. Oh my God! Yes, that's what's that's what's wrong with Kansas City. I love Kansas City, but I don't love Kansas City weather. I swear, I, every time we go up to Kansas City, we're snowing, or yeah. it's, we're not snowing. It's snowing. <laughs> so Kansas City was the first one, actually St. Joseph, but we stayed in Kansas City, and our plan was to record in the hotel we were in because I thought it was haunted, just because <laughs> it was old. But then we couldn't find anything on the hauntings. Right. On the, the so whole we just went to the there, bar yeah. and we drank. Yeah, because they had that that awesome, like, speakeasy. So that was at the Hotel Phillips. Yes, that's what it was, the Hotel Phillips. So I like to think I'm fancy, but then we went down to the speakeasy, and I ordered a whiskey sour, which is, like, my drink of choice. And the guy was like, do you want it with egg whites? And I was like, what? Remember? Yeah, because I was like, that sounds disgusting. Right. So he made me a whiskey sour with egg whites, and it was like the best drink I've ever had. Right. A traditional, he said, whiskey right. sour. So I guess I'm not as fancy as I want to be. It was really good, though. Yeah, I remember what I had. I had something. Um, it was like a corpse reviver or something. That, well, I don't remember what it was. It was something along those lines. Anyway, it was good. It was good. But let's talk about the next morning. So I have no clue who any celebrities are. <laughs> right? So right. we walk out. We're standing. It's, I'm freezing my ass off because it's like 20 degrees and snowing. And you're like, hey, there's Henry Winkler. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah, it was the exact same time as uh, Planet Comic Con. Right. And so we're standing out there. He walk. He walks out gets into his fancy SUV. He's so much on. smaller than I imagined. I just want to say that. That's He's like my height. That's true. I was picturing, you know, the Fonz, like, right. you know, larger than life. Yeah. And then who walks up? Some people walk up carrying sandwiches and trying to get into the hotel. I have no clue who they are. Who are they? It was the cast from Smallville. Right. Because I don't know. <laughs> if it was Riverdale, I would have known, but not Smallville. Right. So that was kind of cool. After the fact, like after you told me who they who were. Who everybody was, yeah. Right. I have this thing where I always do that. Like, we went and saw this band play. What band was that? Seasons After. <laughs> yeah. So we walk up to their state or their uh, table. And the guy asked me, he's like, so what'd you think about the band? And I was like, eh, they're okay. So he gives me a look. We walk away and then Koi's like, by the way, that was the band that you were talking to. 
Right. So then I feel guilty and I go back and I buy t-shirts and CDs. CDs and anyway, I'm really bad about knowing people. After the fact. Yeah. So anyway, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but what we do want to talk about is what's considered the first Roswell. So this is a super interesting thing. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about it. And I'm surprised being from Missouri, we had never heard about it. Right. But what was it like a year ago? I was reading a book and I'm really upset because I can, I think it was called Weird Missouri, the book. That's the first time I've ever heard about this. Yeah, I've, I can agree with that. I've never heard anything about this ever. And I actually really had to kind of like dig deep to actually even find anything really about it. And it's, you know, right back in our backyard. Right. So tonight's topic is the 1941 UFO crash in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. So let's take a quick break and dive into that. sudden draft from a window that was supposed to have been closed. A chill at the back of the neck. Groans, creaks, and bumps in the night. Man has always been frightened by the dark. Troubled by noises just beyond the reach of lights. Occurrences just beyond the reach of understanding. <laughs> So, the Cape Girardeau UFO crash, it happened about six years before Roswell. The approximate date was what, April? It was like the, it was before Easter. Yeah, I know it was early spring. Like April 12th-ish, 1941. So the story wasn't actually made public until the granddaughter of the man involved came out and told the story like years later and that was reverend huffman yes reverend huffman reverend huffman the daughter was charlotte or the granddaughter sorry was charlotte huffman man and she actually ended up writing i believe to a mufon investigator to tell the story right and this happened this had happened like within the town of cape Girardeau, right this happened like 10 to 15 miles yeah it was outside like outside of, of cape Girardeau. the reverend that was involved he was reverend william huffman he was the pastor of the red star baptist church of cape Girardeau, missouri right so that i mean that kind of gives a little more validity to it in a sense just because of the times you know it was more it was uh, you know i hate to say simpler times but it was it, you know it was simpler times there wasn't as much going on there wasn't people faking incidents like you know people was, don't fake stuff right. what are you talking about yeah <laughs> all right so kind of take me to the beginning of all this how did this come about okay so charlotte she like growing up she kept hearing stories about these about this UFO crash, right? She kind of remembered these pictures that she had seen, or a picture she had seen of, like, aliens. Right. <laughs> okay, I just want to say I'm not a big alien person, but if I believe in like ghosts... The, like the movie Alien? I've never seen that, I don't think. But This is another movie that you've <laughs> never seen. I've never seen movies. I don't have the attention span for movies. But anyway, I don't know why I can believe... And ghosts, but not aliens. 
but you're the same i know you are yeah that's that's true i mean i'll get told stories just wild outlandish like poltergeist dishes flying cabinets opening and closing stories and i'm like right there with the person I'm like yeah tell me more tell me more right and you know and believe in every minute of it but if you tell me you saw a ufo i'm like yeah okay but i actually did see a ufo once yeah okay <laughs> i really did but i can't even trust that like in my head i did but like i feel like i seen it but then i'm you know i'm like no because it's a ufo but we were downtown in hartville at the four-way stop, the only four-way stop in Hartville because it's Hartville, there's nothing there. And we had a Mercury Cougar, 1979 Mercury Cougar. And we had the sunroof open and, okay, my parents used to let us sit on top of the sunroof and drive around because it was the 80s and you didn't have rules. Or you did, but you didn't follow them, I don't know. I swear to God, it was like the classic spaceship, UFO, saucer, whatever. It was like round and there was lights going around it kind of like that ride at the fair do you know what i'm talking about no Is that ride I, you no, get because on those are those is like that's like death trap <laughs> that ride rides. you get on you lean against the wall it spins really fast it throws you against the wall i remember like that at six flags up and down, where things are up safe and down i can't think what that's called anyway i swear i saw that yeah okay. but i feel like i can't trust it because it's like an alien thing I don't know why. I don't know. Anyway. So tell me more about Charlotte. Okay, let's get back to Charlotte. So Charlotte, she remembers hearing stories about it, but she remembers this picture of two men holding up an alien, like walking with it. So they were like holding up this alien body, posing for a picture pretty much. Yeah. So like they were like, Picking it up and carrying it away, and she just remembers that. And from what I've what I've read, th- that was like your stereotypical grays, grays you know, finger right. quotes. So she asked her grandma about it. In the eighties, Charlotte's living in Texas. The grandmother, her name was Floyd. Grandpa had passed by this point. Grandma Floyd staying with her, and she's. She's on her deathbed. So Charlotte starts asking grandma about this. She's like, grandma, I remember these stories, but mostly I remember this picture. What can you tell me about it? And the grandma was reluctant, right? Yeah, she was super hesitant to even talk about it. But then I guess she figures, you know, I'm on my deathbed. I need to get the story out there. Right. So that's when she starts to kind of break down the events from that night as she remembers it. So the crash occurred around 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. Around 9 o'clock p.m., Rev. Reverend William Huffman, he was called. They called his house and told him that there had been a plane crash. Right. It had been reported by a local farmer. He said there was a plane crash with a giant fireball. So the police had contacted Reverend Huffman to uh, come to the scene. They wanted him to give like the last rites to victims, or if there was family members, they wanted him to minister to them. Which was typical at that time. There, there's nothing unique about that. Right. So uh, even now, you know, ministers are often called to do that. A pl- like a, they sent a car to pick him up, and it was like a plane, a marked vehicle. So he was gone for a few hours. 
When he arrived back home, the wife described him as like pale and shaken, like just obviously upset about something that had a, whatever had happened. Right. He, he she could tell that he has been through some sort of experience. Right. Which was, you would think even a plane crash, you know, that's, I have anxiety about being in planes. So, right. So, I mean, that's traumatic in itself, but from her description, it was something beyond that. Right. He was like really shaken. Which was, from what I've read, was kind of exceptional for him, for his character. He's He was a very, you know, rigid. Stoic? Stoic individual who was kind of unfazed by his job and what it entailed, pretty much. Right. So, you know, she kind of questioned him, like, what's going on? And he's, he said, I'm going to tell you what happened, but you can never repeat it, and I will never, ever speak of it again. So, after he is picked up in this unmarked vehicle, he is driven, what was it, 12 to 60 miles? Yeah, something like that, 10, 15. Yeah. It was, you know, it was southwest of Cape Girardeau. Right. And I believe they said it was the Chaffee area. Okay. Which I am not familiar with. I'm right. not very familiar with the Boot Hill. Right. You maybe are a uh, little bit I mean, more. I, when I was younger, I spent more time in that area, but you know, since then I have not. Right. So he arrives at the scene. There's definitely something crashed. There's fire. There's also police, firemen, journalist, supposedly FBI. Supposedly. Right. I, yeah, I had heard that, that supposedly the FBI was there, uh, military. Right. Which sounds kind of crazy, but I'm going to try to open my mind. And I had read that about a month before, which is just, what, happenstance, that there had been a lot of corruption and things going on down in the boot hill, and the FBI had actually opened up a... Field office. Yes, in that thank area. you. I didn't know what it would be called. Right, yeah. That would be a great coincidence. Right. But I don't know any... Yeah. I haven't seen anything factual supporting that. Yeah. And then I heard what there was in Sykeston, there was... I can't remember what it was called. Like an aerial something Air Force. Basically kind of like an Air Force base in Sykeston, which I believe is pretty close to Cape. Right. Yeah, it is. So that makes sense, I guess, for military to be yeah, there. It'd be less Let me say we will call Cape Girardeau Cape because that's what in, people in Missouri, we call it Cape. Right. That's what it's known as. So from now on, when we say Cape, we're talking about Cape Girardeau. So he's there. There's multiple agencies there. The fire department's there. News crews are there. Well, Pretty much anything you can imagine. I guess newspapers. There wasn't really news crews. to the, you Right. Know. And so he arrives. He's escorted little a ways in because i guess it was in a field right and the firemen are there they're like fighting the blaze right. everything's on fire however the crash the thing that is crashed is not really burning right everything i did read that, that the, it is burning everything like the field the crops and so forth are burning but the the actual ufo is not on fire so he described as the aircraft the quote plane crash as a uh, silver round disc shaped aircraft he did say the side was like ripped open so it cr it was your stereotypical you know flying saucer right and like the one i seen in right Hartville. yeah 
Okay. <laughs> and it was pretty much ripped open. Like Right, like the side was how completely blown out of mm -hmm. it pretty much. Yep. Okay. So I guess like he walks up to it, he sees the cockpit, had wires and components that he had never seen before. He said it looked to be made out of like strange metal. There was three small child-sized seats inside. The dash had bizarre knobs and dials. There was silver band around the inside of it that had like strange markings and hieroglyphics. Say so one, yeah, one of the things I'd read that said it was almost as if it was Egyptian hieroglyphics. Right, which is so weird to me. Which I wonder like if this at that point 1940s pastor was like that's egyptian hieroglyphics well i don't think it was i think that was like an interpretation of what he said like you know if you only had one thing to kind of relate it to and it was like a writing with symbols and you didn't recognize it that you know you would relate it to that one topic that one item like if the only language you knew of that used symbols for the writing was egyptian then automatically it would look like egyptian hieroglyphics yeah i guess so i try not to be too judgy or <laughs> <laughs> i mean it makes sense to me right it especially does. for that time because you have to think it's 1941 right. now we know of all these different languages it could have been aztec symbols or it could have been any other type of writing right but at that time in you know southern missouri <laughs> it's egyptian hieroglyphics yeah i guess i'm trying You're i'm trying? trying to believe him the truth is out there right i don't know why i'm like that like why i don't understand why i can believe in ghosts but not aliens and it really aggravates me i don't believe in sasquatch either just look I'm sorry, at the, I just don't... Just look at the X-Files poster. I know, I was just I looking at your I want to believe poster. I want to believe. Because I imagine that poster right there is exactly what he said he saw. The, but I'm telling you, I saw the same thing, but then I'm like, was I just a kid? And I don't know, I swear I saw it. Anyway, so he also said there was no wings or propellers on it. It was just... A circular disc. Which makes sense with your stereotypical, you know, UFO <laughs> theories. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, he said there was... So, getting on to the aliens. He said <laughs> there was three alien creatures. Too close to the craft, and they were, they were both dead, gone, passed. There was one that was thrown further away from it. And the interesting about them, interesting thing about them, was that none of them had burn marks either. So I wonder if they were wearing like a flame retardant like spacesuit. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean. <laughs> Why can't I believe? I want to believe. Um, so you weren't on our Phoenix Lights episode. I was not. So. And we did that episode because we went and watched the movie, and I right. was like, we should do an episode. But I wasn't on that one. No, I no, I did that one solo. I was probably doing some soul searching, trying to believe. I think you were just faking something <sighs> in order to get out of it. I don't know, probably. So, about these aliens, though. So, the there Reverend was... goes, he kneels over 
the one that had been thrown from the aircraft because it was still alive. He said their creature was gasping for air and was not able to communicate. Which makes sense because it's an alien. <laughs> and it does not breathe, because probably breathe oxygen. Right. So he start, he prays over it while it takes its last breath. So sad. But the weird thing about that is, <laughs> is it does breathe then. I want to believe. So it breathes something, but not oxygen necessarily because it was gasping for breath. <laughs> this is beyond us. <laughs> How can you describe what's happening? Seriously, though, I thought the same thing. Like, what does an alien breathe? Not oxygen. We're being so salty. <laughs> right? So he's over it, you know, I guess giving it last rites. Right. And then, um, so it, it dies, it passes away, it goes on, whatever. Um, at that point, that's when the photographer steps out, like journalist. He has, what is that? The Browning Kodak camera. It was I don't like know. the yeah. camera back in the day. And he says, like, hold that thing up so I can get a picture. That's the picture that Charlotte Huffman Man remembers is the guys holding this alien. Right. And I, I've seen like a recreation of the yeah. picture. Or she drew a picture of the picture. Well, I didn't, no, I didn't see that. I saw actual like replica after okay. the fact picture. I think it was I like have a cop- two guys in suits. Right. So I think I have a copy of what she drew. I will post that to our Facebook so okay. people can see it. Like her description of the picture. Um, so after the, all this, the Army Air Corps, Aerial, I can't think of what it was called. They, they confiscate all the cameras, the notes, shrapnel. People had been taking shrapnel from it. Pretty much anything that could be used as evidence that this occurred, they right. took it away from everyone, as you do when there's a alien. Well, you can't just, you know... UFO crash. Let anybody know. Right. Um, so they told people, like, this never happened, and never, ever tell anyone, and they sworn them to secrecy. You were in the army, you know how that is. Yeah. Well, right? you know, they just say, loose lips sink ships. <laughs> But Reverend Huffman, being the man that he was, took it very seriously. Right. Until like two hours later when he got home and told his wife what happened. Well, you got to explain it somehow. You got to explain to the wife what's going on. And, you know, she's going to know that there was no plane crash when there's because the news never reported it. Right. Do you want to talk about the alien, the descriptions of the aliens? Well, from what I read, that it was approximately four feet tall, mm-hmm. about your height, <laughs> and uh, but it was your typical, you know, X Files, you know, grays. It was their skin was very tight to their bodies. You, there was no apparent bone structure. Right. They said what I read was couldn't tell if it was wearing clothes or if it was just skin. They're flame retardant spacesuits. <laughs> right. Um, it described like looking like crinkled aluminum foil. Did you see that? Right. They and that they also had uh, they had very long hands and fingers. For the nose, two dots, like holes in the face. Unable to see ears. It had less fingers than a human. 
Yeah, I did see that. That there was there had less fingers than a human, but there was no exact count. Nobody uh, right. took time to count the digits. <laughs> the digits. Uh, no visual female or male markings. That's because they were in flight flight suits. Right. Balloon shaped heads. Large almond eyes that were black and covered the majority of the face. The mouths were slits, and they were totally hair free. I mean, everything that you just described is your stereotypical little green men, you know, aliens. Classic gray. Is that what they're called? Yeah. I don't even know. I, it's, it's along those lines. Right. So you mentioned the photograph. So, yeah. Where did this photograph come from? Right. Because supposedly they all... Everything was confiscated right. by the government. Um, it said that a journalist showed up at the reverend's house. I read both a week later and two weeks later. But they said he was acting very paranoid, kind of looking over his shoulder. He was scared. And um, he had a copy of the photo. He wanted, he gave the photo to the reverend. He wanted him to like have a copy. You know, he didn't want to be the only one that knew about this or had evidence. So he gave a copy then to the reverend. Right. Not the original. Or the original. I don't know. Honestly, I couldn't see which it was. Right. So then it goes into, I guess, like this photo became like a party favor. Like a family. Like an heirloom. But that's how Charlotte remembers it. She remembers like having like family events, dinners, and this photo would come out. And Like, let me show you my picture of my alien. Right. Which goes into that me being weird about it because they didn't want to talk about it, but they brought out this photo. Right. I don't know. But I'm going to try to believe. But that's what... So, Charlotte, that's what she remembered. And that's why whenever her grandma was dying, she wanted to ask her about it. Because she just remembered seeing this photo. But the photo, they didn't have it anymore. So, at some point, then, I guess they passed on the photo. They lost the photo. They had a it? neighbor. At this point, they're living in Kansas. I don't know the town. They said small town Kansas. And once again, they bring out the photo. Right. And the neighbor, he said he was retired military, and he had experience in photo and aircraft identification. How convenient. Right. So he's like, please, let me take this photo. I'm going to analyze it. I'm going to tell you what I know about it, and I'll get back with you. So they're like, okay, as you do, you give away, you know, your alien photo. Your one the, copy. Your one copy to the Air Force or Army or military man so he takes it and guess what never seen again never see him or the photo again he takes off it said that years later so i supposedly this happened like mid 1950s okay so around early 2000s he is found again and they're unable to get the photo from him but at this point he's living in new mexico so he's taken the photo, moved to New Mexico, and the photo is never seen again. Which is also convenient. Right. So did that's he, actually what I wrote. Like at the end of my notes, I put, how convenient. Did he move to Roswell, Heart. New Mexico? <laughs> I don't know. So that's what happens. It, it's extremely interesting. I mean, there's a lot. I don't want to say I don't believe, but I don't believe. There's a lot to trying. the story. The problem is, it's all secondhand. Right. 
you know, obviously at this point we're it's not going to get It's all like memories of sword. a child. Right. And how she interpreted it. Right. It's Which you know, kind of goes back to my memory of seeing a UFO when I was a child. Right. Like, even though it's my memory, I can't believe it myself. Right. There's, I mean, there's a lot of, like, questionable things to it. Your story, for example, you, you know, you lived less than an hour from a military installation where there's military aircraft as a child. But there's not UFOs on Fort Leonard Wood. There's unidentified flying objects. Right. Which but there is, is Whitman UFO? Air Force Base, which is only a right. hours away. Which is also somewhat close to Cape. Given the proximity, right? I'm sorry. We, you know that's the closest Air Force Base. Which, but also Fort Leonard Wood is also close. Either one of those could have had military aircraft, you know, flying in that area. Right. And it, the way they mentioned, like there was an aerial something in Sykeston. The hardest part for me is like I've tried to like pinpoint a location. There's just nothing out there that tells me. Like Chaffee area. Right. I mean, the main thing, all we know is it was 10 to 15 miles outside of Cape. Right. But beyond that, there's nothing. I mean, if this was a legitimate event and, you know, the government covered it up, it's probably one of the most successful events. Right. I mean, I hadn't even heard of it until like, what, two years ago? Right. I mean, Roswell happened six years later. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows. Our kids probably know about Roswell. Right. I had also seen something. I can't remember the air, the base, but there was something in Ohio. I cannot remember what it was called. But there's like basically an Air Force base. And they believe the, like the crash items. I don't know. The crash site. What am I trying to the say? The ship was pretty much. Yes. Was, was like shipped there. And that's kind of weird to me. Like. Was Whitman Air Force Base around then? I feel like they would have taken it closer. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. You know. And like it's when, Missouri, it's not a big location. It's right. like farmers. I don't know. I grew up in a really small town like that, and everybody's in everybody's business. Right. So how does this happen, and people not? Well, people were sworn to secrecy, which. <laughs> Which sounds hokey, you know, today, right, right, because yeah. nobody can keep a secret about anything. Yeah. But at that time, I mean, this is the 1940s. You know, people took stuff like that more seriously than they do That's today. True. Especially, you know, given the area, the government, you know, military officials come in. You know, supposedly the FBI was there. Right. You know, it's going to be taken a lot more seriously than today. So. Maybe the, being the fact that it was small town Missouri that right. it happened in, maybe that's why it did. It was successful as right. being. Plus, it's not like it's not like now where everybody has iPhones and cameras and can take pictures of everything, except for Sasquatch, because people never can seem to get a picture of that. So, yeah, it's gonna happen. Right. <laughs> so maybe that has something to do with it. It's not like that's something that everybody had. Not right. Ever- Body could get pictures. I mean, everybody got their, you know, their news from the one source in town or whatever, you know, and it was, it wasn't instant like, you know, cameras where they could just, like you said, just send a picture to their friend right. real quick on their phone. You know, these pictures had to be developed. 
the camera you know it was right there on the camera so the one photographer that did was able to get a picture is the only you know evidence right so to speak you mm-hmm. know of it final thoughts i don't think it happened you don't think it happened i don't i want to because it's interesting and it makes missouri a little bit cooler <laughs> but i just i don't know i'm i have a hard time believing it right i don't know i think something did happen whether it was aliens, where whether it was a you know some new you know for the time aircraft that crashed, that the government did not want you know getting out. Right. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was little green men. In silver suits. In silver spoots. It's not spoots. <laughs> suits. Okay, so the only fact in this story is that we will never know what really happened. Right. Can you agree with that? Yes, and that it ha- whatever did happen happened ten to fifteen miles outside of Cape. Right. Other than that, we got nothing. There is no factual evidence at right. this time. I agree with that. There was a couple. Well, I will say a couple books, but really, I think it was one book. So the book that I read was just like weird Missouri things that happened. Right. But there was one guy, and I don't know his name, and I feel bad because I'm a big book person. I know the book was called... M.O. 1941. No, M.O. 41. M.O. I think it was just 41. And he did write a book on it. I feel so bad because I don't know his name. Yeah, we'll find it, We'll find it, and we'll put a link in one of our social media posts. Right. Um, but other than that, there's nothing. Like, right. no... Even the book that I read just had a quick little something on it. I had to like really dig deep into the internet to find anything. Right, because there's just there's not a lot of information about it. You know, it's everything was gained from. I know with that book, everything was kind of gained from different sources that he was able to find, and this and Charlotte. That was one of the times where Charlotte actually did an interview about what happened. And I actually think that she didn't even do an interview with him she ended up like writing him a letter describing what happened and that was kind of it right so so i mean find the book you know read it for yourself you know let us know kind of what you're what you think about it right i think with that said i think i think we've covered it yeah as much as we can all right so with that being said you can find us on facebook Twitter, Instagram, and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts right. or wherever you listen to us. Yeah, you can give us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> five-star. <laughs> yeah, you can say anything you want about the podcast as long as it's five-star. <laughs> if you have anything else that you want to let us know about, topics, you have any, if you have any thoughts on this show... Or any other one, you can always... Or if you have more things to say about it. Yeah. Because I really struggled to find a lot of stuff about this. Right. If you have any information that you want to share with us... If you have the picture. You know, email us at untildawnpodcast at gmail.com or send us... You can tweet us. You can tweet us. You can call us at 913-703-DAWN. Can they text at that number too? Yeah, you can you can text us whatever you got. Have we ever gotten a text at that number? Didn't yeah. we get one? Yeah, we got a text. What was it? Do you remember? No. Oh. I've also got calls about how I can lower my insurance. 
<laughs> reduce my credit card debt or uh, multiple other things. Also health insurance. <laughs> I've gotten all those calls as well. So we are completely covered with debt, insurance, insurance. and health care with the podcast. Right. Nobody cares about anything else. No. no one ever, they never email us or kind of makes me sad. Actually, Koopsik yeah. has once or twice. Yeah, we've Jason gotten some. Jason And Shaggy. Right. Both of them have. That's so we're only, just waiting for that. That's our only friends, I guess. We're just waiting for that one call from you. Right. <laughs> All right. So until next time, I'm Koi. I'm Felicia. And this is Until Dawn. <laughs>